Welcome to the Music Grind Podcast. This is episode eight. Hey, welcome back to the Music Grind. Thanks for listening. If this is your first time, welcome. And if you're back, thanks for being back. This is the podcast where I talk to working musicians to get a sense of what a day in the life is like for working musicians, like myself and like the people that you'll listen to here. If you've ever wondered what we do for work, what we actually do, this is it. This is how you can find out. And if you're a musician and you've ever had somebody ask you, what do you do for a living? Show them this podcast. Hopefully this will help you explain it because I know I've gotten some, uh, some strange looks from people when I try to explain it. And uh, that's why I made this podcast. If I sound uh, hoarse, I kind of feel a little bit hoarse and my voice is not like completely there together. I apologize. Um, last night I had a gig with my friend Joe Kosas, who uh, you can hear him on episode four. But we had a gig together uh, down in Marco Island, which is Marco Island, Florida, which is about a four hour. No, sorry. Three hour drive. And on the way back, uh, we did a Facebook live video just for fun just, uh, well also to keep us awake so we don't fall asleep on the road but uh just for fun and for whatever reason that wore my voice out i was actually um i was actually coughing last night on the video because it was it was taxing on my voice i didn't even think that i would have to record i knew i had to record this today but i just didn't think about it it's very irresponsible of me but that's why i'm a bass player and not a singer um that's that's uh, a big reason. I just don't want to have to take care of my voice. Like I don't have to think about it. How about that? How about that? Anyways, so um, you can find this podcast. <laughs> You've already found this podcast somehow, right? But on Apple Podcast, on Stitcher, on Spotify, tell your friends. If you're enjoying this, uh, and I I, uh, I thank each and every one of you who has said something to me, um, mostly in person. You guys have come up, and thank you for your support. Um, thanks for listening, and I hope you guys keep listening, keep sharing it. Let your friends know. Um, write a review. Uh, Josh Walther wrote a review, um, and thank you very much for that. Uh, and, and if anyone else has and I haven't caught it, I thank you as well. And if you haven't, please do so. Uh, so today's guest is a good friend of mine, a phenomenal bass player, uh, Bobby Brennan. Bobby is from New York. He's um, based in Orlando, Florida, but right now he's on tour with Cirque du Soleil. They brought back their show, Corteo. It was a show that was around a while ago. In fact, he, he talks about it in the show. It was one of the original shows. You know, it, it ran for a while. They shut it down and they brought it back. He is in that... Um, that comeback. <laughs> he's part of the comeback. <laughs> uh, but he's on tour right now, North America, and it's going to eventually go all over the world. But he has played Broadway. He's played, um, he's been in Cirque before. He's done national Broadway tours. Uh, and he's just a, a phenomenal bass player and an amazing person, too. You're going to hear he's got that real, that real joie de vivre. 
that joy of life. I mean, it's just evident when you talk to him. Every time I've hung out with him, it's been a, a blast. And and even this day that I recorded this interview with him, it was just, it was great. He's got such a joy of of life, of playing music. And and uh, you guys should check him out. When he come, when Corteo comes around to a city near you, uh, go check it out. Please go check it out and go say hi to the clowns because he's one of the clowns. It's really, it's really cool. I haven't seen the show yet. I've seen all the pictures. Uh, he has put Instagram stuff um, of him in the in the full makeup and the whole deal, and it's really cool. And um, I forgot where I was going with that. But anyway, go check him. Oh, he has an amazing life story. I mean, he's got he's got this um, powerful, powerful uh, story of like just changing his life and you know eating right losing weight uh, just working hard at it and he's he's made um, such huge progress it's incredibly inspirational and in fact um, he's he's uh, working on doing like motivational talks um, in in that regard and it's really really cool go check it out we talk about it in the uh, we talk about it in the episode itself I will have show notes. Uh, it's it's going to be in the show notes if you just look in your app and you scroll up or down. I don't know which way. Um, you will find all that stuff. Fat Guy Drinks Juice is his Instagram name for that. Uh, I'll repeat it at the end. But that's it. That's uh, that's what you should go check out. Uh, be after you checked out this interview, which uh, without any further ado, I've said enough. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Here is Bobby Brennan. So thanks, thanks for doing this. Um, tell me about like how you started. Is bass your first instrument? Is your main instrument now? Well, well, thanks for having me, man. It's good to see you. Yeah. You know, uh, it's been what three been, years? Yeah, yeah, it's been been some time, man. Since our disenchanted days. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, well, when I was a young kid. Uh, growing up in, in New York on Long Island, um, very close to New York City, uh, a town called Lindenhurst. And um, my father had bought MTV, you know, and that was like the big thing, man. I was like, whoa, you got MTV? You got MTV? I think we were like one of the first families to have MTV, you know, in our neighborhood. Yeah. And um, so, man, I just sat and watched MTV constantly man for hours and hours and i remember i would see guitars i remember there was a cheap trick video and that guitar player i can't think of his name uh, offhand rick rick, rick something, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and he would have like seven guitars right. and i'm like wow man that is so cool but then i never understood i would see the other guy playing a guitar and i remember counting the strings i'm like there's only four that doesn't make yeah. sense everything else is six and there's only four so i started to like be really interested in that one guitar that just had the four strings <laughs> and I didn't know what it was about. So anyway, um, that was like kind of mind boggling for me because I would watch other videos and try to see if I could see, notice like four strings on something else. So then, uh, a couple months after that, I got into, uh, do you, know, do you remember the, the, um, the store service merchandise? No, I don't. It was don't. like you order everything from a catalog, but you would show up and they would have it there. Oh, really? And they had a guitar there. Yeah. And I was like, man, I want to get a guitar, you know? So my dad uh, brought me down and he bought me a guitar. And, you know, it was a cheap guitar, maybe 
at that time, thirty dollars and right, was, right. you know forty dollars. It not, came with the amp and all that. No, no, no. It was an acoustic guitar, oh, okay. so it was even cooler, man. And I remember playing it, but I always just played the first four strings, you know. And then I would just joke around playing the guitar. I could never play anything. I never learned how to play chords, but I had rhythm. Yeah. I always had really, really good rhythm. And then Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA, came out, and I was, like, really into it. You know, I'm, like, 10 years old at the yeah. time, and I was like, wow, this is cool, man. I would love to, you know, I used to pretend, like, the video would come on. I would just yeah. strum the guitar like I was playing in it. Um, I, you know, and at that time, I always, uh, I loved, I loved all, all instruments. So I used to, uh, Genesis videos would come on, and I would notice the keyboard player playing, and I would set up my parents' snack trays, and I would sit on the couch, and I have a snack tray on the left, snack tray in the middle, snack tray on the right, and my parents would, like, sneak, you know, peek their heads yeah. and then laugh at me because I would be pretending I was playing, you know, <laughs> along with Genesis, all these uh, keyboard parts. And then, um, and then one day, I, I had an older cousin with the same name, actually, Bobby Brennan, which yeah. is kind of funny, from the same town, which is even funnier. And he had played bass, um... In like several rock bands and like at this time I was a little bit older I was about 12 and he was really into Iron Maiden which I got into Iron Maiden and I was like wow this bass player is incredible you yeah. know actually and then in between like 10 and 12 I kind of realized oh there is a bass guitar oh, okay you know because after like counting the strings on MTV you know watching you realized uh, that it was bass or did somebody tell you no you just... I realized I did like research oh, okay. and I remember I was in in elementary school and I went, we went to the library, and I found a book on musical instruments. And then I noticed, like, uh. oh, this is a bass. It has four. So I kind of learned that on, you know, just from doing research, which was kind of cool as a young kid, you yeah. know. So then I went to my cousin's house, and I noticed he had one. And I was like, whoa, you know. And I picked it up, and I started playing. And I was actually, it came natural to me, especially slapping, which was kind of funny. Really? Like, I just, it just came kind of natural. Like, I wasn't... Larry Graham playing, but I was able to play, you know, and uh, and I just had rhythm. I was always able to like play tap rhythms, you know, with my hands, and like yeah. I could dance always, you know, when I was a kid till now. I just always had rhythm in me. So we, I was about 12, 13 years old, and my cousin gave me his old bass, an Ibanez Roadstar two bass, which was. Like a mock off of a Fender Jazz yeah. or a PP bass, you know. So my friends and I decided to start a band, and I was <laughs> like, and of course everybody wants to play drums and guitar because they're right. the loudest. And I didn't. I was like, no, I want to play bass. You know, that's what I want to do. So man, I got the bass from my cousin. I started playing around a little bit, and then my uncle had taken me to my very first rock concert, which was Bruce Springsteen Bruce, and okay. E Street Band changed my life yeah yeah and i remember going to that show coming home where was the show it was at madison square garden okay. in new york city oh, man may, man, may a, 19th that's a great Loved first home. show yeah. to have i went and saw that came home picked up my bass and i never looked back i just started studying and then um i studied at the end of my junior high school year and then when i got into high school that's when i really started taking it serious i was like because okay. i was really into it you know i knew i couldn't play sports because i wasn't tall enough yeah. i love sports and i was like i wish i could but i loved music and i really i really um grew a passion for it i just yeah. it just became a part of me and i and uh, did you have any other musical aside from your cousin like yeah. anybody else in your family have 
Music no, no. My all my I grew up with all sisters. I had three sisters. Um, they listened to good music, you know. Like my sister, my oldest sister, and my uncle t- kind of turned me on to Bruce Springsteen. But okay. she listened to him because she thought he was hot, you yeah. know, like <laughs> most girls, you know. But I remember listening to good music with them. Like they were into Prince and into you know Springsteen and into the Police. And then my my second oldest sister was more into the heavier stuff, like Maiden and Metallica. And really? All that. But it was cool. I was like, oh, this is good stuff too, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So after I had saw Springsteen, that's when I got real serious about playing music. So I started at a young age. My parents were. My dad was a, a warden. He ran all the New York City prisons. You know, Rikers Island, he, which yeah. has nothing to do with music. You know, <laughs> but uh, but it was cool. But they were real supportive, though. They weren't um, not against me being into it. But man, I, I remember that Ibanez wrote star to bass my freshman year of high school and sophomore year, the summers, practicing in my garage in 100-degree weather. Yeah. I remember the paint peeling off to my skin because I would wear no shirt as I was playing, you know, and just... Uh, just from the heat? Just from the heat. Jeez. I'll never forget that, you know. <laughs> but I put hours and hours in, and um, yeah, it was great. And as I played more and more and got more into music, I discovered a lot more other people. And, and the, actually, besides Springsteen, too... My uncle had given me Stanley Clock School Days at 13 years old, okay. and that changed my life because Steve Gabb was playing drums on it. Yeah, and yeah. it was just one of those things where I was like, "Who's this drummer, man? I need to play with this guy," you know. And it was amazing that I knew stuff like that at a young age. Like, wow, these guys are the real deal. You yeah, know? you know, and and that's interesting that like you mentioned Steve it being a being a bass player, but you're not talking about necessarily Stanley, but like. No, and, and, and I love Stanley Clark and his playing on that album. It was incredible. Like, wow, this is so cool, man. You know, he it was my first introduction to chords on bass. Yeah. You know, like, down, 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 down. You know, it's like, wow, that's a bass. A bass can do that. Cool. But it was Steve on the, uh, it was on the t- tune called Hot Fun and Quiet in the Afternoon. I was like, man, this drummer is incredible. This yeah. is amazing, you know. And, um so, yeah, it was like a drummer that kind of, you know, between Steve Gadd and Bruce Springsteen, it was all like, still to this day, those are my two biggest influences yeah. in music, you know? Steve Gadd and, and, and Bruce, Bruce Springsteen, yeah. yeah t- two complete opposites, but <laughs> two, but, you know, learning about Steve Gadd and, and studying what he did, I got turned on to Anthony Jackson and Will Lee. Right. And, uh, you know, all these other great bass players that they play with, Eddie Gomez and... Um, you know, which led into, you know, believe it, believe it or not, Stanley Clark School Days led me into learning about Ray Brown and Paul Chambers and all those guys, you know. Plus, I had an uncle who was really, he wasn't a musician, but he's a music historian. He knows a lot about music, just yeah. on his own. He's not a professor right. or anything like that. But he's got an album collection of, like, 4,000 albums wow. plus, you know. Jeez. So. Um did you were you studying at that time like formal lessons or anything like that? I started lessons uh, when I was a, a freshman in uh, in high school. I used to come home from school. I would grab a bite to eat, and I would grab my bass, and I would get on a, a public bus, and I would head to um, a music store every Friday. I think it was called. <coughs> East Coast Music, if I remember or not. And his teacher, Mike, I don't yeah. remember his last name. He was really a guitar player teaching bass, but he was really good, though. Yeah. And um, so I studied with him for about a year. And then I met this bass player, John Abbey, who I saw playing at a bar. 
And I actually <laughs> couldn't go into the bar because I was only <laughs> 15, 14 at the time. But he was playing um, Steely dance songs, and he was really, really good, man. And I was like, this guy's incredible. Nice. And then I hung out outside on my bike watching through the, the, the window. And, you know, I, I was allowed to do that. Right. I just couldn't go in the bar. Right. And then he came out, actually, and talked to me. And, um, yeah, and I just started, uh, you know, studying with him from that, pers- that point on, you know. Wow. And he was a great, great teacher. I, you know, John, uh, and he's a great friend of mine still to this day. Yeah. And John lives in uh, Chicago now, and uh, he's a great, incredible musician, uh, great producer, a great, great bass player. And, uh, oh, and still cool. to this day, man, I look back and thank him and, uh, you know, because he, he really set me on to my musical journey. Right. You know, he put, oh man, he was such a credible teacher. He, I try, when I do teach, I try to use a lot of his methods. I still have my book. From 1989 and 1990, all the stuff he wrote in it, because it yeah. was so, so great, man. You yeah, know? It's, it's great to hold on to that oh, stuff. Oh, it yeah. is, man, just to have in your library. So speaking of speaking of teachers, I know that you studied with, um, I mean, like, legendary Charlie Hayden. Yeah, Charlie, know? oh, man. How did how did that come about, just because he was, he was at the school, or did you go to the school well, because he was there? I went to, my first year of college was in New York, and I was in uh, at a place called Five Towns College, and it was a great school. There was a lot of talented people, and a great faculty. But the owners there, I just they 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 just weren't that happening, man. They just it, put it this way: a lot of the faculty had left because they just were running things the wrong way, and yeah. and it could have been really really great. And if the if the owners were cool, I would have stayed there, and just probably would have never went out. Okay. To the West Coast, but then there was a teacher there who I had named Raffalesi, who was an incredible trumpet player, and he's pretty well known in the jazz world. And um, we ended up. Uh, I think I took a class with him there, and he had told me, he said, "Hey man, you should go to Cal Arts." And I didn't know anything about it, and I was like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah, go look it up, man." And I did my research, and I was like, "Wow, this place is amazing." And Charlie Hayden was the bass teacher there. You know, he he actually started the program, the okay. jazz program there. And, of course, then I did my research on Charlie, and I was like, wow, this guy's a, a legend, man. Yeah. This guy's played with everybody. And I had a, an album with him um, prior to that. I just didn't really listen to it that often. And then I got really, really into him after I listened to, uh, after I knew I was going to be going to Cal Arts. So I had auditioned while I was in Five Towns College. And my parents also, too, they were like, we're not sending you out to California unless you show us that you really want to do this and get good grades and this and that. So I remember I made the, the dean's list. I had all A's my first uh, year of college, and then I uh, was able to transfer out to... Uh, How did? What was the audition like? You went over there or you no, mailed no, no. something No, no, no. I played three songs. I did, um, I did Summertime, and I, uh, I played the melody. Okay. I did, uh, oh gosh, what else did I play? I played Summertime. I think I did a, a Rhythm Changes of some sort or Blues, right? I played the head also, and then I did like a, a, like a funk tune. Yeah. And uh, it came out great, and then I mailed it off. I didn't know what was going to happen, and then David Reutstein, who runs the jazz department, he called me and said, hey, I loved your, uh, I loved your tape, and... Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, let's see what kind of scholarship we could get you, and wow, that's great. you're in. You know, and then yeah. uh, you know, and I worked my butt off, 
And then I, uh, my parents said, okay. We took, they took a loan out. I took a loan out. And I went off. And then I couldn't believe this, too. I'm, I was, you know, 18 years old, and I drove across the country by myself. Oh, my God, you drove. My parents trusted me <laughs> to drive across the country wow. from New York all the way to L.A. by myself. And uh, it's cool, man. It showed my parents knew I was serious. And, yeah. uh, and I was so excited to get there. I, I got there in three days, man. I, that's, really? I just drove. Wow. I drove from my house to St. Louis, the arch, yeah. from St. Louis to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then Albuquerque right into L.A. Oh, my God. I was so excited to get, to, you know, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get to study with Charlie Hayden. This is amazing, you know? Yeah. So... Were you and, uh, playing upright then, or did that start at No, I, at no I was playing upright. I started upright, actually, in my... Junior year of high school. Oh, okay. I had this is a great story too, man. I had gotten there was an old K upright, and it turns out she's a like a, a 1939 uh, K upright in the corner. Nobody's playing her, and I've been playing electric bass for a couple of years, and I just went in and snuck in. And, yeah. And I was like, oh wow, this is I could do this, you know. And I had my uncle had bought me Charlie Parker plays the blues, and I had Ray Brown on it. So I already discovered who Ray Brown was, and I was like, man, I got to learn, I got to get one of these and learn how to play this, you know, because I think it'll benefit me. I'll probably work more. I yeah. could play, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, like play with country bands too, besides jazz bands, yeah. you know, that's what I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, stupid stuff like that. So then I ended up uh, renting it from a junior high school teacher for $5 a week. Wow. And I couldn't believe that, you know. And her name was Betsy. It still is. So, Mr. Torrens, he he passed away about three years ago, man. Sweetheart oh, of a guy. the bass's name is Betsy. Yeah, the bass's name. name. No, no, okay, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. The bass's name is Betsy. So, I remember after renting it for a couple of months, he, I went over to give him his $5. I basically paid for his coffees for the week, which was kind of cool, you know? <laughs> and I said, Mr. Torrens, I said, I'm just dropping off my $5. And he said, you know what? It's Okay. He goes, you could keep it, you know. She's like, Betsy's yours now. He goes, I could tell you're real serious about this. And uh, so I got a, an old K upright for $50. Wow. And bass players hate me for that because <laughs> she sounds so good. And yeah. she's on albums. I recorded her. And uh, I remember bringing her out to Cal Arts and, like, the faculty and students just love the sound of her, especially when we recorded yeah. at school. And uh, it, it, she's still a great bass. I wish I played her more. She just sits up, stairs in my room in New York, you know, my parents' house. And um, at some one, you know, when I go home for, and I'm staying in New York, I get to play her. And, right. and she, she, man, I haven't changed the strings in you don't ever take five years, six years. Very rare because I never have to, you okay. know. And uh, but I do take her out just to to noodle around to play her, and yeah. she plays great, man. I like to get some more work done on her though, because you know maybe put some new strings, get her set up. But right. So yeah, so that she's been a part of my life for a long, long time since uh, 1990. You wow. Know? Yeah, and I got her for fifty dollars, and she's worth a good good amount of money now. You know. That's yeah. I, I yeah, yeah. Imagine. Especially for those old Ks. Every bass player is looking for an old K because they're so strong. They're like tanks. Right. You right. know, they can handle the humidity. It's they full can handle size the cold. Or three quarters. No, three quarters. Three, yeah. Real skinny neck, which I like. I like the smaller necks. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, she's a great bass man. She she sounds and feels great. You that's know? cool. That's Everyone so that's cool. played her loved her. Actually, Charlie didn't care for her too much because he oh. has he had his bass was a. $30,000 bass and then you're playing you know a $5,000 plywood you know <laughs> if you know why Charlie I think he hated it mostly because I play, and in college I play with really really high action I mean to a point where 
when I took a lesson with uh, with John Clayton and Ray Brown, which I got through Charlie, which was really oh, wow. really cool. They uh, they were like, okay, man, you, you developed the sound. It's time to lower this action. You don't, you know, we didn't have a choice. I remember Ray telling me we didn't have a choice back then. We had to play with whatever action we had. But you yeah. have choices now. You're gonna hurt yourself, you know. Huh. But I think from doing that though, from playing with that high action on on Betsy, it really helped me develop a sound because any bass I play, I'm able to get a really big sound out of it, which yeah. is good. And that's important because as a bass player. Um, I feel that people hire you besides your personality and your attitude, but they want a bass player that gets a really good sound, man, especially on upright, you know, and a good groove, of course, you know. Yeah. So how, how about that? How, how did you get, how did you get first, first get hired? Like what was your, how did you get into being a professional? All right. Um, I had a couple of cool experiences in high school where, you know, when you're in high school, you get the teachers, the band teacher asks, hey, do you want to play the high school musical this year? It, it has a bass in it. Right. Yeah, of course, you know. Right. So, and I remember my first one was, um, I think it was Music Man I played. I played, I remember playing Music Man. I played Damn Yankees. And I didn't feel confident yet to play them on upright, even though they should have been upright. Mm -hmm. But I played them on electric, and it was fun. Yeah. And it was fun. That was a great experience. I played also uh, Fame, and and then I played the Wiz at another school, not my high school. But it was a great experience. You know, those like few years in high school that I was doing it. Yeah. And a lot um, of reading. Yeah, yeah. a lot of reading, and it was funny. I remember like I had just gotten. Um, a book to help me with reading rhythms and stuff. And um, and I remember, um, you know, using that book and then, like, matching rhythm. Like, to me, oh, I would match right. rhythms up as if they were words. Yeah. Like, okay, this is da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, like, right. it's like, you, it, that's what ends up happening with music. Even to this day, there's only so many rhythms you're going to see. And it's all the same stuff after that's a while. That's exactly right. You know what I, I think mean, of it, you know? Uh, the, the, the and I remember words, my yeah. teacher in college at Five Towns, John DeWitt, he was a great bass teacher, man. One of the best. And uh, John, he uh, he had this, I forgot what it was called. I don't know if he, he might have put it together. But he had these things with rhythms. We measure one to 60. And it was just, you would practice just the rhythms. You know, it came with like a click track. And, uh, and then... Same exact rhythms, but in a bass line, and you would play along with it, which oh, was really cool. It was very Motownish, you yeah. know. But I don't remember if John. I think John did write that. I think it was part of his concept for him writing that, and it was great, man. And I, I that really helped me quite a bit with reading, you know. Yeah. So back to getting gigs. So in high school, I ended up doing that, which was, and then I played the pops concerts for the concert for the um, chorus in school. Okay. And then I ended up. Um, you know, doing that in high school, and then my first year in college, I had auditioned for an amusement park in Allentown, Pennsylvania, called Dorney Park and Wildwater Kingdom. Yeah, I remember that. Do you remember yeah. that place? Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you were a Jersey boy, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was a big place for Jerseys, uh, mm -hmm. Jersey people, and uh, and New York people. You know, families they would go and yeah, for it the was summer. either that or Six Flags. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we used to alternate, you know, right. like we're going this, street, you know, but we always went every year, and I remember. Um, uh, getting the gig, I remember I auditioned, I, and John DeWitt said, "Hey man, he goes uh, the, amuse the uh, amusement park called me, 
and uh, they, I put a, they, you know, wanted a reference. You know, you put me down as a reference, and they called me, and I told them about how perfect you'd be, you know. But I remember at that time, John told me something too. Uh, like, just make sure you get your stuff together, you know, kind of like a kick in the butt, uh-huh. you know. Even though I was, he just was like, go in there, make sure you're ready for anything, you know, which was cool. It was a good practice. Yeah. And I remember doing that and getting that gig. But that was like my first professional gig. And I did that for two summers. And it was such a great gig to do while in college during the year. You know, you always look forward to it. You could save some money. Yeah. And uh, and then head back to school, you know. And it, um, so for you, you're living in Long Island. You had to commute to no, Pennsylvania? No, uh, they, they put put us up in like, oh, uh, we had like apartments and they would give us money towards the rent and stuff. So it was kind of nice. You know, we yeah. were making not that much money, but... It was probably like $400 a week. But when you're in college and you're 20 years old, that's a lot of money, you know? And it was cool, man, because still to this day, I still talk to people I worked with there. Not all of them, but a couple, a lot of them became professional musicians, too, which is cool. And I, I, one of my good friends, Tad DeBrock, he's a great guitarist in New York. He does a bunch of the Broadway scene and singer-songwriter scene. And and we, we talk, you know, twice, three times a year, you know, or we run into each other, you know, one of the two, you know, which is cool. Right. But that was my very first gig. That I ever did was getting into amusement parks, and then, um, and then from that on, I just came into. Uh, I ran into a singer that I worked with at the at the uh, what was it called? The Windows of the World on top of the Twin Towers in 1996. Oh, His name yeah. was Michael Andrew, who's very popular here in Orlando. You met him in New York. I met him in New York. Oh, yeah, wow, okay. yeah. And then um, I played with him once in 1996, and then again in 1998. And then in 19, he thought I was moving in 1996 to Florida. And he's like, "Oh, this is great, man! I've been looking for a bass player." And I was like, "Oh no, man! I can't move. I had, you know, uh, things happened in New York. I couldn't leave at the right. time." But then, you know, he didn't talk to me the rest of the night. He was so angry, you know. <laughs> oh, but man. then in 1998, we. Uh, I played with him again, and at that time, I was like, yeah, he's like, they, he offered me to go on a tour, it was for like a year. We did 340 dates out of 365 Whoa. dates that year. We were, man, we were traveling so much, it was crazy how yeah. much traveling we did. How old did. were you at this time? I was young, man, I was 22, 22, yeah. 23 years yeah, old. That yeah. great. That was crazy, yeah, it was really, really, really long. So so now, so let's, let's go forward. Um, now you've, I mean, you've been on several tours and you're currently on one now. Yeah, you've yeah. Been on Cabaret. Uh, what are some of the other? Well, like, I did this. Shows? In, I did this Disenchanted, Enchanted, yeah, which yeah. you subbed on, which was great. That's um, a fun show. That was really yeah. fun, man. That was that. That show is it's still the one of the best shows I've ever played. Yeah. And I, it's it'll. I know it'll come back. And uh, Dennis really wrote something special. And I mean, I don't know anybody that went and saw that that didn't like it. They were like, right. "This is incredible." Right. And the reviews too. You know, the reviews were so good and right. just. And it's just brilliant writing and and all of great songs. The 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 girls that played the princesses in that were incredible, man. Yeah, it's just a fun hang. So yeah, so I did Disenchanted, um, but prior to that, I was doing a lot of different. I was subbing on a lot of different shows that came into Orlando. I was working with Michael Andrew a lot. We were doing a lot of big band stuff. We were doing. Um, Actually, this before I did this in Shannon, I did the Nutty Professor with Jerry Nutty Lewis Prefer, right. in Nashville, and oh, that was right. fun because yeah. Michael had put together um, the Nutty Professor 
in uh, Orlando as a fringe show, uh-huh. and we, which was fantastic too. And then they they went to the next level and they got Jerry Lewis involved. Wow. And Jerry directed the show in uh, Nashville. And um, Marvin Ham was Marvin Hamlisch's last musical t- before he passed away. He wow. actually died uh, during uh, the um, during the running, like the rehearsals. He passed away right before we opened, which was really kind of sad, you know. So. But uh, I wish I, I never got to meet him. It would have been nice to have met him. And uh, it was fun to play his music, though. He was yeah. a brilliant musician, you know. So I did Nutty Professor first, and then Disenchanted came after that. Uh, Nutty was a great experience, too, because I was living in Nashville for three months. I got to work with some of the best musicians in Nashville. I mean, incredible players. Right. And then um, and then Disenchanted happened right after Nutty. Uh Dennis had called me And um, I did the Orlando shows And then we went to Tampa For three or four months And then we went to New York For I think almost a year I think it was You know we did two segments And then um, Yeah so that was good And then after I did uh, Disenchanted we did uh, What did I do Um, Cabaret You were on Cabaret for a while Yeah Yeah, 18 months Right. That was fun so how does one, um, how do you go and, and like have those contacts? Like how, when you say Dennis called you, like how did he even know to call you? I, who was it that called? Um, he contacted my friend Robin, who was the MD on that show. And Robin contacted Michael Andrew. Okay. And just said, do you recommend anybody? And Michael had recommended me. Gotcha. Okay. And, uh... And Dennis knew of me already through Michelangelo because they're good friends. Oh, okay. And I remember seeing that show as a friend show, too. Disenchanted was another friend show that became pretty popular. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, so it's just, you know, how everything in music, man, you get gigs on people who know you right. and who you know. That's how it works. Right. You know? Yeah, that's one, that's one of the things I've been talking about in, on, on the, the interviews I've done so far. Everybody has... Essentially the same story. Yeah. You get this gig and you meet that person and then you meet the next person who who recommends you for this. Yeah, yeah. Or somebody needs a sub and then you meet the next person and whatever. And and, and, and the key to that too is the MDs that work with you, mm-hmm. you know, nine out of ten times when they start to have their own show again or whatever show they do, and they get to choose who they want. Right. Because on to me, man, the best MDs are the ones that get to choose who they want because one n- not that they're the best MDs to get to choose who they want but it's nice for them to get to choose because they could determine like okay cool this band will never have drama right you know right. I feel pretty good about this right. you know they know they base they hire people they know will do a good job and that will have a great attitude right. because that that is extremely important in our business man yeah you, you know you could be a great player and have the worst attitude ever. No one's gonna want to work with you. Right. And there's plenty of them. Trust me. Yeah. You know, but you could be a really great player and a great attitude, and everyone's gonna work with you, and you're gonna work like crazy. You right. Know what I mean, um, so talk about you know people who know you and this and that, and that's how I got Cabaret because I worked with the MD in uh, 2009 with Cirque du Soleil. Right. And his name was uh, Rob Cookman. Great MD, man. And and we became great friends. And we stayed in touch. And, um, 
you know, we became like family, man. He's like a brother to me. And yeah, uh, and that, that staying in touch thing is is important. That's yeah, not something I'm not always good at, but just making sure you're always. Well, that's there. that's where like Facebook and Instagram come in. Yeah, because you could just always shoot a message really fast. Right. You know, like hey, just thinking of you or happy birthday. Yeah. You know, like stuff uh -huh. like that. It's pretty cool though. That I give you know as people put down Facebook a lot and you know yeah it takes up a lot of your time but you know what it also is a positive thing too because it reunites people a lot and keeps people in touch you know people you lost touch with you could right. find right and so for me I kind of like it you yeah. know but but Rob hired me uh, for on cabaret he called me up he said hey man I have something that you might be interested in I'd love to have you do it if you if you'd like to and it was perfect I was like yeah man I don't really have much going on um, I love the music, the cabaret, and, you know, there's a bunch of women in lingerie, man. How, how can you not want to do that, you know? <laughs> a bunch of women in lingerie yeah. will pay you money. Exactly. You're going to play a two-feel the whole night, man. That's what cabaret was, <laughs> you know. But I had a blast. We had so much fun. I got to work with a great band. But you know what was great about that show is I really got to an idea of what it was like to be an actor because the, the actors played the instruments, so okay. I kind of, you got to really see what they were about, you know, like they were part of like the orchestra, but they were also acting and dancing and it was really special. I really enjoyed it. I worked with some really talented people too yeah. on that show. Um, and then same thing uh, when, when Cabaret was coming to an end, uh, Cirque du Soleil contacted me for Corteo and um, so I had auditioned and then... Uh, the MD was Roger Hewitt, who has worked with me before, and Roger had mentioned to me, he called me uh, and asked me if I'd be interested in doing it, he'd love to work with me again, and next thing I know, I'm with Cirque du Soleil again, yeah. and it's been, man, this, this tour has been so much fun, and it's different than the last show I did, which is a lot different. The last, Yeah, let's know. talk about it. So, yeah. so Corteo is a show that was around, got... It cl they closed it and they brought it back. Corteo was an originally, it was an, you know, they opened up in 2005 and ran to 2015. It ran 10 years as wow. a big top show. Okay. So well, this I didn't is know that. now, yeah, so now they can convert it to big top into an arena. And okay. they do that a lot with big top shows. They'll convert them into arenas. And, uh, and they never thought they'd be able to do that with Corteo because Corteo has a mirrored audience. It's, you look, through the stage and you see another set of people. Oh. So it's kind of like a roundabout in a way. Yeah. And so in most arena shows with uh, Cirque du Soleil, the stage is at one end. Yeah. But here the stage is flat in the middle like a football field that runs from the 10-yard line to the 10-yard line. Yeah. And you have audience members on the east and west side or the north and south side, whatever way right. you want to look at it. Right. And uh, it's pretty cool, man, how they were able to do this. It's, and... Um, so yeah, so it's been really, really fun with this show too. And uh, Roger, uh, you know, he had called me and said, "Man, I'd love for you to do this. Would you be interested?" And I said, "Of course. This yeah. sounds like a really, really fun gig, and uh, it's going to be traveling all over the place. And the music is really, really fun. And it's a chance for me. Like on Cabaret, I only got to play upright, but in this case, I get the double on it. So I'm playing electric bass as well as upright bass. And I do a lot of arco, and that's something I've wanted to." 
get a yeah. gig. I was like, man, I want to get a gig where I could do a lot of Arco because I never really had one. Very little things like big bands, you know, right. at the end of songs or intros. And but here I get to play quite a bit of it yeah. during the show, and it's been great. You and know? it pushes you to work on. Yeah, it, it makes all, me want to yeah. work on it because I'm 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 not a classical player, but I could hang with the bow. I could do stuff, but I'm not gonna you know be able to play uh, right. Mozart's Requiem on a right. bow. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I might be able to slap it though, you know. <laughs> um, so, so tell me about like, tell me about what your uh, what your like normal day now on this tour is like. What is a what is a day like? You were telling me that like with the arena tour, you're in a city for a week or roughly a week, yeah. and then you're then you're out. So once you get there, or actually when you first get there. And then how, like, once you're there and okay, well, when you're like leaving. The way the arena tours work, um, we either have a, a six-show week, seven-show week, or eight-show week. Most of the times it's like a seven. Okay. But every now and then six. It depends how far they have to travel with the, uh, with the stage and the equipment and all that stuff. So, um, so say, like, we're doing a, uh, a seven-day show. So we would start on a Wednesday. Okay. So... Every it depends how close the city is, but like last leg we flew a lot, so they charter a flight. We get up early in the morning, we drop a luggage off in the um, at the hotel, like a certain room. And uh, if we're flying, we just drop it off. If we're going on a bus, we they mention which bus would you like to be on, bus one, two, or three. Oh, okay. They leave at different times. I always take bus three because I pack up my instruments at the end of the at the end of the tour. Because I have a huge bass case okay. that I put all my bases, my chair, and I pack all that stuff up, and um, and then I, you know, hop on the bus. So that's you know, if we are flying, we use most of the times we fly on a Monday morning, but in this leg we're going to be flying late Sunday nights okay. too coming up. So the shows always end on a Sunday, of, and. Um, So I will drop off my luggage on that day, and then the next, either we're on the bus and we head to the next city where we fly out the next day. But usually, you know, you're exhausted, man, after yeah. a week of shows. You just are. It's, yeah. it's a lot of work, you know? It's a lot of work, and it's not a lot of work. It's weird. It's, I just think being on tour, it just makes you tired. You're living in hotels, you know? But it's, I just think you just get tired naturally, you know? I'm not exhausted or... But you're tired. For, you know, it's like any job. You're tired at the end of the week. You yeah, know, like, oh, sure. that, was a, that was a tough week. But it's, been, but it's an inspiring also. Like, it's like, you know, you have played for all these great audiences for the week, you know. And uh, it's really, really fun to see their re different reactions throughout the country. Yeah. You know, oh, really? throughout the world, you know, because we were in Canada. We're in the North American portion of the tour right now. So after, uh, you know, like on a day off, I would just... I'd love to see if there's any live music happening. Right. Uh, if there's any shows in town that I could go see, because I've done that before. I'll go, oh, cool, so-and-so's in town. I'm going to go see it. Yeah, you know? right, right. Um, and then the day of work, uh, I go in early, set up my station. I practice some. And then I usually try to come in a couple hours before our, our sound check. We have sound check every single day. Okay. You know, just to make sure everything's running. Right. And then um, I like to come in early and practice. I like to grab something to eat. You know, we have full catering on this tour, which is great. Um, you know, Cirque takes good care of you. They yeah. really, really do. It's kind of like rock star status. You know, like when we go on these flights, they charter flights. So it's just us on the plane, the whole right. cast. Wow. You know, so we have pillow fights, <laughs> you know, a whole bit, you know. 
So it's it's kind of nice, you know. I don't have to go through security. You just walk out and you walk up onto. The t- you feel like the president. You, know, you always <laughs> you always want to turn around and wave to everybody. <laughs> and uh, just don't fall down the stairs. Yeah, like yeah, you. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but um, so that's typically my day. And you know, I get up. I I, I always work out. Um, I do a workout. And I come back, and then you know I get ready for the day, and then head. In, I always head into work early, get my uh, practicing in, and uh, eat lunch or you know whatever I'm doing. Or if I have a massage set up, we get to get. We also get to sign up for massages. I yeah, mean, that's we're spoiled, man. <laughs> we really are, you know. So that's typical. My typical day, or I love one of my favorite things is to reunite with friends that are in the city, especially yeah. artists that are on other tours or something. Okay. I try to do that as much as I right. can. Or visit family members that right. are around the country, you know. I mean, that's how we're doing this because you're on a break right now. Yeah, I'm on vacation now, yeah. and and we're actually in front of the the yeah. Nuba Cirque du Soleil building downtown right. Orlando. <laughs> I mean, downtown Disney. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so it's kind of funny that we're hanging out here. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, so we were talking a b- little bit um, before. So like, how you were, how do you how do you handle like the the finances of being on tour of like you know getting your food i mean i know you're saying like they have catering yeah, but yeah. you know the whole day or or getting even your instruments around or whatever well what cirque does is um besides your um your salary you also get a per diem okay so um which i really i kind of you know be, there's only a couple of days a week where you have to kind of worry about that. You know, okay. it's like Sunday nights after work. You might everybody's always hungry after they play a show. Sure, so you use up a lot of energy. So you know, you spend money for dinner on that, and then your days off. You know, but besides that, you really don't have to spend much money. You know, unless you want to buy stuff or go shopping. You know, people do that. But I treat myself and like go see a show or a concert or. Go get a massage, like outside of work, you know, right. whatever you want to do, you know. Um, but as far as like finance and like for me, I just I just try to save as much as I can. Yeah. I don't really have to spend much money. I try to live. My goal is to live off my per diem, and I just bank my salary. Okay. And that's wow, what I've yeah, been doing, great. which is great. Yeah. And and um, and and it's nice. You're able to do that on arena tours or right. any kind of tour really that you're doing you know if you're smart with money you'll be able to save you know right. even cabaret i was able to save you know um what's cool about cirque you, and other tours too like cabaret you could do buyouts where if you find like say if a friend of mine says hey stay with me you could stay with them and then you could get the money that the Cirque would pay for the hotel. They give you 85% of that. Oh, wow. Okay. So you could do that, too. Right. But nine out of ten times, it's a pain in the butt. And i rather just, it's, you know, I don't have a family. But for people that have families and kids, yeah. they do that. And they make an extra, you know, 20 grand a year. And that's a wow. lot of money. You know yeah. what I mean? So it helps for them to do stuff like that. But for me, it's just, uh, you know, I'll, I have like one Airbnb I'm doing next month because one of the buyouts was really, really good. Right. And I got an Airbnb for really cheap. So I'm like, <laughs> well, why not make an extra few bucks? You know what yeah. I mean? So, but as far as um, finances go, yeah, I mean, I just, I kind of bank as much as I can. Sure. You know, that's, that's, you know, my goal on this tour though is, you know, 
is to buy something like a house or a condo. I just don't know where I want to live yet because I'm visiting all these great cities, and I'm like, oh, I love it here. Oh, yeah, I love do it you there. get a chance to check out? I like, do. Yeah, I, that's how I take all my days off, or even in the mornings. I love to find good running trails. Yeah. Um, so, and from doing that, you just walk around downtown and you see different things. A lot of yeah. these cities I've been to before, so I kind of know them. Right. Um, I like to check out different cool restaurants, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, I always do that. I try to go see what's, what's something cool to do in this city, and I right. try to go do it, you right. know, in every city we go to. Like when I was in Chicago, we were playing in, um, what was the city? Rockford, which is very, very close Okay. To Chicago, it's like a suburb of like Winter Park in Orlando. You know, it's right, like pretty right. pretty close. And um, I went to uh, see a Broadway show. It was in previews. I'm like, man, I'm gonna go see a Broadway show while I'm here. Why not? Yeah. You know, that's great. So stuff like that. I d I definitely and I love to support other arts when I'm in this city. You know, yeah. so it's pretty cool. And because uh, nine out of ten times, who you going to support is coming to see Cirque when they're in town. Right, right. You know, Cirque's got that name. Kind of like Disney, you know, you're going to see something great because right. they have a great reputation, you know. Right. Yeah, they they have, they do have a great reputation. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you have you have this thing on Instagram and on Facebook, Fat Guy Drinks Juice. And yeah, you yeah, have yeah. A, you have an amazing story, uh, a weight loss story, and a, a workout story, and and a life change story, really. <sighs> yeah, it was definitely. Tell me, Tell me more about that. Yeah, I, I started that uh, during Disenchanted, actually. I got really into juicing. I watched that documentary, uh, f uh, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. Yeah. And it just uh, motivated me so much. And my friend Michael Andrew, who I work with a lot, and, uh, you know, Michael was like the... He was the start of my whole weight loss journey and my lifestyle change because he was really worried about me, and, and so was all my friends because I was really, really big, man, you mm -hmm. know? And um, and just not healthy at all. And uh, I remember, and it was so funny because we just played Indianapolis, and that was the city that Michael kind of, kind of. It wasn't like a an intervention. It was just a really heart to heart talk. Like, hey man, what's going on here? Yeah. And since then, you know, I really have made a ton of changes and uh, got into running, and I ran two half marathons in the cabaret tour I've, I've hurt my foot so I can't run that m as much as I like to on this tour right. I'm still running every day I'm actually doing a race in uh, Victoria British Columbia in a month from now oh, it's nice. a five mile race so it'll be fun I'm excited to do it to do one internationally you yeah know? right right um so yeah so I got really into uh juicing and and plant-based eating and um and I try to you know apply that on tour, you know, is and it, it's, is it difficult? It is at times, you know, and it's not at the same time. I have a, an endorsement with a juice, juice company. Oh, cool. The juice from the raw.com. I'll okay. give them a little shout out. That's yeah, all right. Of course. They're great, man. So they give me, I get cases of juices delivered to my hotel. Uh, so for, like you tell them, Oh, hey, I'm going to be in. I just go such. online and I type in where I'm going to be and they ship them out that Monday and, uh, and I get them that Wednesday That's great. cause I like to get my greens in me, you know, and I, I order the green juices, which is great. And, right. uh, and it, it keeps you healthy on tour too. Yeah. You know? So, and, uh, my friend Steve Gadd, who I've become friends with over the years, he loves them, you know, yeah. and I actually reunited with him in uh, in Denver. We were at the hotels across the street from each other, and he was in town with James Taylor. 
And uh, so we got to hang and have breakfast, and we, nice. we had a juice together. And then, yeah, he's a sweetheart, man. I love that guy. Wow. So much. It's my idol, man. You know, it's like <laughs> he's a guy that made me become a bass player, and, and you know, I'm having juices with him. You right. Because I remember amazing. I was leaving that night to head to Loveland, Colorado, was our next city. And I didn't have a cooler, and I was like, man, I don't know. I had, like, six juices left, and I didn't want to chuck six juices. Right. So I gave Steve, like, half of them, and I took half. So it was cool, and he loves them. So it's he loves drinking them before did shows. You, did you turn them on to that, or did he yeah, find well, them on Yeah, well, no, his, his wife is a, a nutritionist okay. and a health wellness doctor, and she's brilliant, man. She knows about all that stuff, and, yeah. and Steve's really healthy. And uh, he loves him. Yeah. So I just one day I was in uh, when I first hung with him on the cabaret tour. We were uh, in Washington D.C. and I I went to go hang with him and another friend that plays in the band. And I had brought him a couple of juices, and he's just like, man, he's just so good. And yeah. I shipped him out of case to his house, you know, because they're really good people. The guys from Juice from Roll, they take yeah. good care of me. That's and cool. And it's nice to have that ability of you know, because sometimes you don't always get to. Um, Get the greens in that you want, right? But when you have juices like that, it's a little bit easier. I'm gonna check that out because my my wife is vegan. Okay. Um, because she has, I mean, by choice and kind of not by choice, she discovered a, some like food allergies. Okay. A few years ago, and then and she discovered and she realized that like eating meat doesn't really sit well with her. So some of it because of the food allergies, you know. And then some of it by, by choice. Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll, this. I'll, yeah, and let me know, man. I'll share with you. Um, you. I have a code that you could use, you know. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, so yeah, of course. Does Cirque, um, does Cirque accommodate for that? Like you, the well, catering that you say? Yeah, have we have is? a catering department. And um, it's funny, they just asked me on the last leg, uh, you know, what can we do to kind of help you with your diet? And, yeah. uh, you know, and there's other people on the tour too that have restrictions also. And, um, so I just said to him, man, plant-based, you know, there was a book called Vegan 7, I think it's called, and it's seven ingredients. That's it. So it's simple, because I'm not a fan of tofu and all that stuff. I'll okay. eat it once in a blue moon. And their food's great, man. They, they, the chefs we have, they, they make incredible stuff. But I don't know if they really understood the whole plant-based thing. I okay. think they're starting to, but they do great jobs, man, and they make great stuff and... and I thank them for doing that because we're lucky to have that. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but there's also a, like a juicing station where you can make your own juices. There's also a, uh, you can make smoothies, you know, because right. these athletes, you know, they've got a lot of athletes in Cirque and they need to stay healthy too, right, you know what right. I mean? So, which is kind of cool. We're lucky to have that, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I'm so, glad to hear that they do support yeah. that. They, I, even if, Even if they haven't, had experience they're learning and they're trying and all that's great yeah totally um so what is what is next for you like what is uh, oh you know actually yeah, i wrote yeah. down here um have you ever thought of having like doing your own thing like uh have, be, uh, writing and producing a, your own original album of some sort <sighs> no no i actually never have isn't that funny though you would think it I just love supporting others. Yeah. Being the role of like You're that, a true that, bass player. I'm a true yeah. bass player. I'm a true side musician. I'm not against it though. Maybe one day. I but I would really love to do motivational talk speaking. Okay. You know, and help people with weight loss problems. And you know, um, I was a guest speaker at Joe Cross's Juice uh, Juice Reboot. I know that name. Is that the that's the Joe guy Cross from said the documentary, the documentary Fat right. Sick and Nearly right. Dead. And he invited me out to uh, upstate New York at this, um, I think it was a, was it a college? 
or some kind of resort where it was like you know to get away and yeah. they had tai chi and yoga and it was really great and I was a guest speaker there and what was cool about doing that was um, I got to uh, tell my story but I told it to them there were about 400 people there I guess maybe give or take I don't remember how many to be honest I remember it was a nice big group and I remember it was outdoors and uh, I played my bass as yeah. I told my story. Oh, that's cool. So it was like a comedy <laughs> thing because I talked about juicing and how it was and I used like a walking bass line. Right. You know, so here I am and I'm juicing, I feel good, you know, and I'm walking the line and and then day three came and then I remember taking my bow out and I just played all these crazy harmonics and slides <laughs> and because that's how I felt. I just felt like, oh God, I'm dying, you know? <laughs> and um and everybody was laughing, and it was really kind of cool. So I'd love to somehow – that's one of my goals, though, like this year, because I, I, I want to find out what's – you know, because I've been on like a, um, like a plateau, and I'm trying to break it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm meeting with this nutritionist next week. Right. And uh, I'm hoping to kind of break this because so, that's something I really would love to start doing, especially now that I work for Sir, because it's like it's a good name to they could support me and doing right. stuff like that. Right. And I want to just get out there and share my story, but I want to apply it with playing the bass. Right. Yeah. And I think it would be really cool to motivate people and uh, and also I'd love to down the line do an interview at like Bass Player Magazine and explain to them. Um, you know how important it is because man you know as being a musician man we have to be we're like athletes right you know we have to be in good shape in order to do what we do every night you know like every night i get up you know (laughs) in my case i get up and i put all this makeup on and i get into my onesie because i'm a clown you know (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know but i have to go out on that stage and say hi to everybody and and watch these performers do their thing, you know, and back yeah. them up. And, you know, my job is to groove every night with right. my drummer, you know, and um, on that Cirque show, you know. And, and it's a great it's a great job, man. Yeah. To watch these artists do what they love to do and do things that are just incredible. And to get the groove, yeah. you know, with this band and watch them do what they're doing. It's pretty amazing. Has know? it has it inspired like a, a, a deeper <clears throat> or even a different... Um, admiration or respect for those arts. Like I know from my experience when I started working at Bush, I didn't really know much about the art of dance, but just being there and talking to some of them, it's like, man, these people are artists. Well, you know, we're going to Cal Arts where I, you know, got to hang with Charlie and stuff and Cal Arts is an art school. Yeah. So you have art, you have dance, you have film, you have music, you have, that's where um, they started, uh, Pixar, man. Pixar movies. Oh, Started I didn't at know. Cal, at Arts. Cal Arts. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so I was always, I always loved artists, man. Regardless to whatever it is. Right. I never worked with gymnasts that are artists because yeah, they're artists. Yeah. It's incredible, man, what they do each and every night. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and I, I always try to remind them and tell them, hey, that was beautiful. You, you were great. You know, and um, some of them are really hard on themselves because they're like, oh, no, that wasn't good. You know, right. I'm like, well, from my point of view, it was pretty amazing, you right. know. And um, 
but they're just, you know, they, they want to be great. Aren't you know, we the same way? Like, yeah, we, hold we it, are. Like, man, oh, I missed that fill. Or, or I miss yeah, I love that solo. Like, oh, God, that right. solo was terrible. <laughs> you know, if it's true, though, you're right. That's what's so great about art, man. It all relates to one another, you yeah. know? Um, but it, it's, it's great, man, to be able to back up incredible artists like that. I heard, it, I, it's different than any other, any other gig I've ever had. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing as backing up a singer. But a whole different other thing, because you're just in like, wow! It's like, oh my god, this, you know, this person's doing flips in the air, and I, you know, and I, and I'm playing a D chord, you right. know. <laughs> right. So it's funny. And you're part of the show, right? Like you're, yeah, you mean, guys are all visible yeah, and we're, everything. Yeah, we're and the clowns, man. Yeah. You know, the band of the clowns. And um, do you have to? Um, oh well, you're doubling, but so do you have to like move around the stage and do all no, this? No, the, the drummer. The violinist and the guitar. Um, the gu we have uh, Ev in the show. She plays guitar and uh, accordion. She goes up on stage. Uh, Alex, the drummer, does too. Stefan, the violinist, um, and then our two singers, Aurelie okay. and um, Elaine, and they all go on stage. But me and Roger and Phil. Roger and Phil are, are the two. Uh, M assistant MD and MD. Roger's our MD. Phil's our assistant MD. But Phil plays keys and sax. Roger plays keys, and I just play bass. And I don't. We don't have to move our side of the stage because we're on like the north side of the stage. They're uh -huh. on the south side okay. of the stage or east or west. You know, either way. But uh, no, I thank God. I, but I, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'd like to go up. The only time I go up is to we do a bow together. Yeah. Okay. So I go up at the very very end. But no, I kind of like my little station, man. Yeah. It's like I, I have my own little... I have so much room because nobody else comes by me except Aurelie on like two numbers. She sings with me and uh -huh. we have fun, you know, when she comes up. But it's sometimes a little lonely. It's like, ah, oh, but, you know, if I had somebody up there, I'd probably get yelled at for joking around too much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but we got our job done. But me and Phil and Roger, we communicate across the audience, oh, okay. you know, like yeah. waving or laughing at each right. other, you know, because right. we have a lot of laughs, you know, and a lot of that, you know, we were talking about MDs, like who knows you and stuff. And what I love about Roger and on this gig, Roger's all about having fun and he just jokes constantly. But man, he brings that positive vibe to the band, man. And it's, it's, it's always fun, man. It's, I've never gone to work yet on this gig with Corteo where I was like, oh God, I can't stand this gig or... Right. You know, I don't want to be here, or right. I never ever want. It's, it's like even if you're having a bad day and you go to work, you it know, cheers that you band up. cheers you up, yeah. man. And a lot of it is just Roger and his funny jokes. That's great. Or, or the artist, or the show. You know, something always funny happens. Or even the audience, audience members. You know, how so? The, how the audience members? Just watching their reactions, oh, man. Yeah. I had three kids, these three little kids from Mexico, that were. Uh, I forgot where we were. Um, it might have been Indianapolis. I mean, they were so grateful for uh, just to be there. They just were so sweet. I was waving to them yeah. in between songs. And I remember I went backstage. We had these little fake noses, you know, clown noses. Yeah. And I had brought out four because they were the only kids in my section, and I gave that to them. And I swear, these kids, it was like I gave them a million dollars. It was just amazing. And that feeling you have... It's, it's, there's nothing like it, man, to, to see people's reaction and people standing up after a show, knowing that you are responsible for that. Yeah. It's pretty. It's a pretty great feeling, man. You yeah. know, it's just like anything with music. You know, anything you do, from doing a church gig, to playing at a restaurant, to uh, 
playing in front of 10,000 people. It's that you're able to take people away from the people come out to hear music or see live entertainment to get away from their problems. Yeah, exactly. So we're sort of yeah. like therapists in a way, but we're not really therapists. But uh-huh. it's a pretty cool feeling, man, to be able to do that and, and to see people's reactions to that. It's it's that that that's what makes me happy about doing what I do. Right. You know what I mean? And I also love it. I love playing the bass. Yeah. I abs- I never once said, oh, I hate this instrument, you know? <laughs> There's times I say, like, oh, God, man, is it ever going to get easy, you know? <laughs> but I love being a bass player. Yeah. I was born to play the bass. I don't know how to do anything else except play the bass and make people laugh, <laughs> you know? Well, man, I, I Which mean, are two I think great it things, shows, you know? I think it shows you're, you're, great, at, I, you're great at both, man. I'm, like, I'm... I, obviously, they can't see, but I, like I got a smile on my face. You, you know this. You're exactly right, man. The joy you're bringing to those kids, you're bringing it here too. And man, that's that's great to that's, hear. That's 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 the key, man. You yeah. know what I mean? That's that's what we as humans, we you know, it's about being positive and it's about laughing. It's not, especially nowadays, man. All this political stuff in the world, you know. Yeah. I don't have time for it, you know, and. Uh, and it's and it's tough for me because I have half my friends are into it, half my friends aren't into it. Right. And it's just like, well, I'm not going to get involved in either one, man. Right, I keep my mouth right. shut. And sometimes it's hard to, but it's just like, but nowadays, man, I feel like there's so much friction. It's like let's forget about that and worry about now. You know yeah. what I mean? And let's enjoy life because life is short, man. And anything could happen. You know, my friend Alex in the show, he always says nothing lasts forever. And he's so right about that, man. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about a beautiful cat, man. He, you know, the guys in my band, I, you know, I'm the only American in the band. So you learn from, you, I've learned so much from all, that's another one, one of my favorite things about this gig is all these different cultures. Right, right. I've learned so much. You know, I'm trying to learn French. I'm the worst. <laughs> but the girls love it, you know, because yeah. they think it's cute as anything, you know. And I, of course, I flirt with them, you know. But <laughs> it's just, I'm terrible at French. But I try, though. I'm trying. And I'm trying to learn a little Portuguese from my Brazilian friends, you know. Yeah. But the cultures in this show, too, like, God, so many beautiful people around the world, you know. Yeah. And the cultures, I, I'm learning about it. It's incredible, you know. Yeah, that that. I think that would be one of my favorite parts of the gig too. Is like learning and interacting with people from a different mindset, from yeah. a different different view uh, view of the world. Yeah, it's you know, and that's what I love about this band is that everyone's so positive. Yeah, and everybody thinks the same, you know. And uh, but a lot of that comes down to the MD, of course. He yeah, controls that. It has to be from top top and down. And I, I, I always tell Roger that. I go, "Thank you, man." I said, "You're the reason why this runs smoothly." You know, because he does a great job. He's an incredible MD. And same with my friend Rob Cookman. That's, Rob and, and Roger the two of the best MDs I've ever worked with. And we both worked with Michael Raby, another great one. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, he never once, you know, like, we could, he, you know, Michael was always joking around. But, man, he knew how to get that band ready for a show. Exactly right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, really, really great. Yeah, I had a, I had a great time working with Michael with... Uh, the disenchanted stuff, but also another show in St. Pete. And one of the things that I was just amazed is like, he has a way of getting you to do uh, and getting you to play the right thing, getting you to do what he hears without micromanaging you. He's never like micromanaged. He, he never gotta, once told me like, 
you know, hey, you know what? Don't play that or don't do this. I'm also and also, you know, I like to approach music in at the most tasty way as I can, you know. Yeah. And I, over the years, I learned how to do that, you know, from listening to greats and uh, yeah. and learning from greats. But yeah, Michael was great, man. I and I loved playing with him, and and he he's easy. Yeah. But he's so good. Yeah. Especially in the musical theater, man. I mean, he just he's so good with that, you know. Right. Same thing with Michael Andrew. Michael Andrew is probably one of the smartest musicians I've ever worked for. But he's also a great friend, so I know that other side to him, too, so I could joke right. around him. <laughs> but he's probably the most talented person I've ever met in my entire yeah. life because he could orchestrate a whole, a whole show and then he could build a house. Wow. You know, he's an incredible carpenter as well as an incredible arranger. And wow. it's amazing. And I remember him back in the day. He didn't know what it was in a D minor chord. He yelled down the stairs when I was living with him. Man, what's in a D minor chord? You know, like, <laughs> D-F-A-C. Thanks. You know? And now he knows that stuff better than anybody. You yeah. know, it's amazing. But, yeah, you know, it's. So where, where um, I know we're like, I don't want to take up all yeah, your yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But where can we find you? Um, Online, well, probably mostly. Online uh, on Instagram, you could find me at Bobby Base Brennan um, for the health and wellness stuff. Then the Bobby Base Brennan is more for the touring and the right. music. And then I, uh, the the uh, Fat Guy Drinks Juice is on Instagram also, and that's more for the health and wellness. Oh, right. I try to separate it, even though it's you know it's still the same guy. But you know, there's a lot of people that are into health and wellness that don't really care about music and right. vice versa. Right. But man, it's all related. It, it, you know, to me, it's my whole world. You know, but I just tried to separate it. Uh, and then Bobby Brennan on Facebook, and also there's a fat guy who drinks juice on Facebook too. Right. And then I'm on the Corteo tour, man. If you look up uh, www.cirquedusoleil.com/corteo, C-O-R-T-E-O, uh, come see me on tour. You know, yeah. and I'm traveling all over to North America till. Like October 2019. So. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. And then and then after that, like. And then it heads to Europe. Yeah. Okay. And then I'll be in Europe for a few years, and then it's supposed to go to China and Russia and wow. Asia and uh, Australia. It's going everywhere. That's that's their goals with this, and I'm going for the ride, man. Yeah. Get to see the world and get paid to do it, man. Why not? <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. But it's a it's a really great job, and I, I really love working for this company and and this playing with this great band. Yeah, you know, and it shows. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate you talking yeah, to me. Yeah, Tito, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, you too. I'm man. glad we got to hang out, man. I miss yeah, hanging out with you, bro. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. There he is, Bobby Brennan, uh, the great Bobby Brennan. I hope you could see or hear rather what what I heard, just that that joy that he has in in his life and and for playing music, man. Like the that story of giving the kids the um, the clown noses. That's amazing, man. I wish I could have uh, seen that experienced in person. I forgot to mention this. I apologize for the noise. There's like beeping, there's construction noises and people and all that stuff. We actually met, Bobby and I met at Disney Springs, formerly known as uh, Downtown Disney, right outside. We sat right outside of the, um, the Cirque du Soleil building where Lanuba was. It was so apropos. Um, 
we didn't even plan it that way. Just like where we first initially uh, intended to go meet and record this interview, it wasn't going to work out. We wound up at um, at Disney Springs, and it just was fitting to just sit right there uh, at the Cirque du Soleil building. Uh, we didn't get a chance to go in, but that's okay. We sat there. It was um, symbolic, I guess. I don't know. But it was cool. Um, go check him out, at Bobby Bass Brennan, at Fat Guy Drinks Juice, on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, he, uh, you know, he mentioned people like, uh, Michael Andrew, he mentioned, uh, his friend, uh, Rob Cookman and, and that, that whole networking thing is again, a theme, you know, it's, it's important to be, um, to be a good person. <laughs> it's important to have a positive attitude. Of course, it's important to be able to play, but just, you know, when you get to a job, when you meet somebody, just be kind, be good, be, um, you know, be all of those things, be positive positive. And, uh, you know, you can see uh, as Bobby shows, um, it just it just helps you move forward and, and do the stuff that you love to do. And it also helps, um, for instance, in Bobby's case, to just be amazing at what you do. Um, go check him out on YouTube. Like one of the things I heard um, uh, on YouTube, a video, a, a solo on the upright bass. He was playing with Michael Andrew and he had this solo on upright and it's just like it blew my mind. I can't even come close to that. I don't understand how he's playing those things. Um, so holy cow, go check that out. Um, please subscribe. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple podcast or on Stitcher or on Spotify. Um, leave a rating, a review or both, you know, something. If you want to find me, uh, if you want to send me a message about the podcast, the email is uh, musicgrindpodcast at gmail.com. The Instagram is at musicgrindpodcast. Uh, you can, you know, leave me a note there, like a, like one of the posts or send me a DM or whatever whatever you want to do for me personally to follow to follow what I'm doing um, at TDV music on Instagram. I think that's the best way. That's I, I'm not a huge fan of Facebook um, for several reasons, but Instagram is uh, is it uh, for me at TDV music. And that was uh, that was the show. And in two weeks, there will be a new one. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for supporting. Um, uh, please, I, please uh, let me know if you're enjoying it. If you have any questions, if you have suggestions, or whatever the case is, um, you know, hit me up. Hit me up. I'm listening. Uh, so thanks, everybody out there. Please stay well, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.